so as we kind of wrap up Thanksgiving, we're moving into Christmas, we are going to spend one more week in the book of Acts. Um, not because we're not excited about Christmas, and if you are already not, still not listening to Christmas music, that's totally why. We're totally not ready. It's not December 1st yet. That's, and if you're listening to Christmas music and have been since October, um, I'm really sorry. We're, we're going to be in Acts for one more week, but it's great. Um, and I'm actually really excited about it. I really like kind of when you preach through a, a series of a book in the Bible, coming to the end and kind of looking at what's been talked about. What are some of the, the themes? What are, what's been going on in this book as we've walked through it for the last couple months? And uh, Acts does a really cool job of kind of bringing some of those central themes together. So today we're going to walk through, we're going to go through four of them. Um, you may come to the end and think, well, Brian, you didn't mention X, Y, and Z. And um, this is not meant to be an exhaustive look at the book of Acts, but really just kind of, hey, what are some of the themes that come to a close here? Okay. So the first one uh, that we're going to just talk about is the, uh, the missionary journeys of Paul. So the book of Acts talks about three missionary journeys. Um, at the end here, we're kind of in the third one, which um, is a little bit different than the other ones because he's no longer um, traveling under his own um, accord, I guess you could say, right? So as we remember... Um, Paul's imprisoned right now. He's been going up in front of the Jewish leaders and the kings and kind of making his case. And it uh, just before uh, chapter 27, Paul's being taken now to Rome to appeal to Caesar. Okay. And we're going to spend most of our time today in the, the kind of the second half of chapter 28. So we're going to go through two chapters, but we're going to cover real quickly here. Um, chapter 27 and, and kind of what gets Paul to Rome. I'm going to give you the, the Cliff Notes version, okay? Um, so Paul's in prison. He, they're going to take him by boat to Rome, um, which is uh, still pretty far. It's like a 1,400, 1,500-mile trip by boat. Uh, the boat ride doesn't go very well. Um, waters are bad, choppy. The boat crashes um, on an island, and... Then he goes to the island. People are pretty nice in the island. Paul's still sharing the gospel. Um, but then they get going again. They end up making their way a little bit closer to Rome. And uh, they meet some more people. Paul gets bit by a snake. Because um, that's, you know, that's how it happens when I go on trips. I get bit by snakes. My boat crashes. Um, but again, he continues to, you know, uh, perform miracles and share the gospel. Um, and through all this chaos, so he gets to Rome. And Paul's here in Rome now, and this is kind of where the excitement of the conclusion of Acts is. And uh, Paul is not actually put in prison in Rome. He's put in sort of like a house arrest type situation. Um, so people are able to come and visit him. So we're going to see that um, these conversations are happening somewhere where Paul is under guard. Um, but don't think of it like a prison cell. We'll, we'll call it house arrest without the ankle bracelet um, or something like that. So... We're going to pick up uh, right in verse 17, um, and you know what? I'm going to read right out of here, okay? In chapter 28. And it says, After three days he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me, since there was no reason for the death penalty in this case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it's for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain." 
Then they said to him, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. All right, so we're going to pause real quick there. Um, if you remember, right, all the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, for the most part, were pretty angry at Paul. That was why he was in prison. So we see now that he's in Rome. The Jewish leaders haven't heard about what's going on. Um, obviously, they're aware that there's some things going on um, with what's called the way, those who are sharing the gospel, but they're not outright calling for Paul's head, okay? So the passage goes on, um, and it says, After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right and sane to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, all right, and Paul's quoting Isaiah here, all right, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding, and you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. That's a heavy, heavy statement to end with, right? Paul's, Paul's not, uh, he's not pulling any punches there, right? Um, he's, he's once again in conversation with Jewish leaders. He's putting his whole heart in preaching the gospel. Um, and although it says he persuades some of them there, Right, Some of them were kind of won over by his argument. We don't know if that means that they went on to believe um, the gospel or if they just agree with the argument. But the ma majority of, again, the Jewish leaders, they're not, they're not having what he's saying. And so we get this kind of front row seat to Paul uh, bringing this passage from Isaiah to the Jewish leaders, literally telling them, you will always be listening but never understanding. But uh, there's something else that happens here that I really like. Um, we're going to go kind of down a, a small rabbit hole um, that we see here at the end of uh, Paul's missionary journey, okay? If we go back to verse 23, it says, From dawn to dusk he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. So what this means is... Paul had to bring the Old Testament into the conversation um, because for the Jews, a Christ to come and save the Jews, to come and save all the people who had been following these words, he had to be fully aligned with the Old Testament. Okay? So I like to, I like to point this out because whenever we think about Paul going, he's sharing the gospel, he's performing miracles, he's telling these stories about Jesus, he's also teaching the Old Testament and showing how Christ is the fulfillment of that. It would, it, unlike today, right, today if you go and you, you talk to a non-believer, um, their response might be, well, you know, what about good and evil, or what about suffering in the world? Instead then, they're saying, well, what about what, about what Moses said in the Pentateuch? Did, did King David write about this Jesus? What did Isaiah the prophet say? And so what's awesome here is we see that Paul used time and time again the Old Testament as his foundation for the gospel. And so the reason that I, I kind of want to go down this little rabbit trail here is because I, I just want to kind of put in our minds as we're seeing here that the Old Testament, that is how that the gospel came. It came when Paul spoke, when Peter spoke, when John the Baptist spoke, and especially we see it when Jesus was teaching. 
quoted the Old Testament all the time. So next time you're spending time in the Old Testament, you can have this little rabbit trail in your mind and be like, oh man, when Brian was preaching the other week, he was talking about this. The Old Testament is all about Jesus leading up to that. And so what's exciting is we can know that this was the book that Paul, that Jesus, that all these people we read about in the New Testament, these are the books and the writings that they were reading and that they were using to, uh, to share the gospel, okay? I think that's pretty cool. So let's jump back into the passage, though. We won't get too, too far off track there, I know. Um, but, uh, and I'm just going to read the passage from here instead of holding two things. Therefore, so this chapter or, uh, 28, verse 28, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. So Paul, after spending a day with the Jewish leaders and having them kind of leave um, with a pretty, pretty big statement, um, he continues on and he just stays. He says, hey, Paul's going to stay for two years. He stays for two years continuing to proclaim the gospel. And what we got to keep in mind here is Paul's not in Jerusalem anymore, right? He's not in the place where most people are either of Jewish descent or have spent their lives growing up around Jewish culture. And the reason that this is key here is because we want to make the connection going back to the book of Acts. And I think this is a pretty cool conclusion. Um, in the beginning of Acts, Jesus said, and these are literally the last words of Jesus before his ascension. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? And we can even go back even further. Psalm 67, which, which I kind of shortened up here so we don't have to read the whole psalm. But um, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us, Salah, so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. All the ends of the earth again there. And Isaiah as well, in Isaiah 40, and the glory of the Lord will appear, and all humanity together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what's happening here is, that one main central theme of Acts, it's been all about, is spreading the gospel beyond the Jews and to every man and to every earth. So our, our, second, um, our second theme here is the re reception of the gospel uh, by the Gentiles and the Jews. And so the reason that Rome is so significant in this is, um, I, I realized, you know, we, we're reading the edges of the earth and we're thinking, well, hey, Rome, that's only 1,400 miles away from Jerusalem. You might think that's far, or maybe you don't think that's far. But Rome being the place where this book ends is really significant. Um, number one, um, because of the distance. But number two, Rome was kind of uh, the imperial state of the Mediterranean region at that time. So the Roman Empire is literally during this time. It, it started shortly before Jesus' birth, and it ended in 476 AD. And Rome basically was kind of the epicenter of everything that was going on, influencing language, influencing culture throughout Europe, throughout the Middle East, throughout Northern Africa. And I, I, it's funny, we think about the term all roads lead to Rome, and that comes from this time period because Rome had so many roads that were coming into the center 
and going out because there were so many people coming in and through Rome because it literally was the epicenter. So when we see the book of Acts and the gospel, the last place it's being shared in Rome, we're literally seeing that, hey, the gospel is being shared in the city that is going to be the launch point to the edge of the earth. When people hear that, they would be thinking, if it's in Rome, it can be anywhere, and it will be anywhere. So that's another really cool point that we see here, okay? So as we look at this scene, Jesus instructed his disciples to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. One other thing I want us to think about here, too, um, is this didn't happen by happenstance, right? Um, Non-Jewish people didn't just stumble upon the gospel. The other cool part here is that the gospel reached the Gentiles, which is why we believe. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I, I'm going to make a bold assumption here, but I, I would assume a chunk of us are not of direct Jewish descent. And if you are, then, then this might not apply to you. But for those of us who aren't, we would not have heard the gospel. We would not have the gospel today if it was not for the gospel going and being shared with the Gentiles. And what's so cool about that is it didn't happen by happenstance. It happened because Christ made that decision. He instructed Paul. He instructed his disciples, and he said, hey, we started here, but we're going to go, and we're going to take it everywhere. So salvation reaching the edge of the earth is why you know who Jesus is, and that happened because Jesus' plan for salvation involved the edges of the world, involved everywhere. So praise God for that, right? So, um, because of that, though, in, in my own my own life, sometimes it kind of kicks around. It's like, okay, well, you know, the Gentiles have come, the edge of the earth, every country, um, the the amount of languages the Bible's been translated to, the gospel feels like it's everywhere. Um, and uh, that I always kind of wonder, like, hey, who's who's next? Who are the next people? And uh, I think. For some of us, God has given a really specific kind of, hey, here is the people you're going to go and preach and share the gospel with, or um, here is the place that you're going to go do it. Um, but some of us, it, it may not be that clear. And there's something kind of cool here that happens that, that I really like. We're going to kind of take a look at it um, because it's, it's uh, sharing the gospel doesn't just happen all the time because we've got this clear like, oh, these, this is the group of people. Right, sharing the gospel happens every day in our lives. Because if we're here feeling like, hey, I'm just called to our community. Hey, I know that I live in Blaine and Bridgepan, I love it. What does sharing the gospel look like? Um, and that's not always clear and it's not always easy. It can be a little bit tough and tricky sharing among those who are neighbors and family. I remember, uh, I, t- I remember talking to a girl one time in, in my early 20s and, and we'd gone to high school together and, and we were, I think it was just someone I hadn't seen for years and, you know, hey, how's it going? Yada, yada, yada. And somehow we got in the conversation of whether or not I believed in God. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He's awesome. And I asked her, I said, hey, you know, do you believe in God? And, and her response to me was, uh, well, I'm going to hell because I don't believe in God. And I was just like, whoo, like, all right, that was, that was, a, that was a wild answer. Um, and I, you know, I kind of was like, oh, like, why do you say that? And she, her response was, well, someone told me once that uh, if— uh, if I don't believe in God, I'm going to hell. And I was just like, gosh, that, like, that sucks. I'm so sorry. And I remember telling her, I said, I'm so sorry someone told you that. Um, that's, that's not all who God is. It's not who Jesus is. And her response to me was like the worst thing I could have ever heard. She told me, you were the one that said that to me in high school. And I was like, no way. And 
the conversation ended shortly after that, and I remember thinking about that over and over, and I was like, no way. And guys, I started remembering that I was the one. I remembered the conversation. I remembered talking about God and, and her saying something about not believing in it and just having a quick response, and that was it. And realizing in that moment that, oh my gosh, I had a chance to share the gospel. And instead I told someone they were going to go to hell because they didn't believe it. And I think back at that, and I kind of think about where, where we're looking at in life in terms of, hey, if I'm called to share the gospel, whether it's a people or a place, it's, it's tough and it's not easy. And I think about those stories. And for me, sometimes those stories make me feel like, I'm, I, gosh, like I did, I should never, I should never talk to anyone about Jesus. I should just, I should be like, I believe in Jesus and here's someone better than me and smarter than me. Um, but what, what, as I've kind of, you know, I've grown up a lot and, and I've had a chance to talk to a lot of people who are smarter than me and, and come to learn that whether or not I'm communicating the right points, whether or not I've made a mistake, um, preaching the gospel is a lot different than how I saw it in that moment, but also how I was processing it, processing it. Because, and this theme here is in the book of Acts, our goal in sharing the gospel is for the church and its mission. Our goal in sharing the gospel is for the church and its mission. Because the church being us as followers of Christ, those whom Jesus calls his own, and the, and the mission, which Jesus says in, in Matthew 28, that we as the church are called to baptize the nations and teach them the way of Christ. In short, we are the church, and our mission is to live out and share the gospel, okay? But if I'm sitting here, and I'm like, well, but I shared it really bad, and, and I'm going to give you a sneak preview to the, the fourth theme. The fourth theme is all of this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit, Okay? All of this happens. And so when I made that realization that, that my job and my, my, my call as a Christian is to build up the church and its mission to share the gospel, but realizing that I didn't have to do that by my own power, that completely changed it. And so when we, you know, even though we don't see Paul fumbling like I might have in sharing the gospel, um, but we do see varied results. Right, And so I want to kind of think about, you know, if our goal is to, to build up the church and the mission and the power of the Holy Spirit, let's kind of keep those in mind as we kind of go through this next part here, right? Because there were times that Paul preached and people were saved, right? But there were also times when Paul preached and nobody was saved. And my guess is Paul probably didn't just say, you guys are going to hell and I'm in high school. Like, he, <laughs> probably not, right? He, he was using, I mean, as we just saw, he was using the Old Testament. He was performing miracles. Has anyone like performed a miracle and just healed someone who had leprosy while preaching the gospel? No, I mean, but those are the things that Paul was doing. And so if you look, though, and you think, man, like, if Paul looked at it the same way that I did, he probably would have walked away from some of those conversations and been like, man, I, I performed a miracle. I did all these awesome things. I, like, know the Old Testament, like, like the back of my hand, and those people still didn't believe. But that's not what happened? That's not the story of Paul's sharing of the gospel and working for the church and that mission, right? We look at not only Paul, we look at, we look at Peter and John, who, after healing a disabled man, working to, to build a church and its mission, they got arrested. What, I mean, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't go out and heal people anymore. Maybe I shouldn't share this. I mean, I just got arrested for it. We look at Stephen, who's the first Christian martyr who delivers an amazing sermon. I mean, if you ever want to go back and reread something in Acts, it's just like, I need a little bit of like 
scripture juice like real quick i got 15 minutes like what's a good read go read that whole section and he gets killed for preaching the gospel and his brothers and sisters in christ they don't go oh man like that he just got killed we should maybe we should rethink it no they continue working for the church and its mission and so paul as we see here today he's been beaten up he's had unfair trial in jerusalem and then in caesarea which uh Caesarea, just in case you're ever wondering where places is, it's kind of like a, um, a maritime town in Israel, and that's obviously where he launched out of. Anyways, um, so he's humiliated in front of rulers, in front of people who used to be his peers. He goes on the boat, the boat crashes, he gets bit by a snake, and then he goes and he talks to more Jewish leaders again, and they once again don't believe him, and they're just like, nah. But what does he do? He continues to share the gospel to build a church and his mission because it's not by his power. And so when we look at our lives and all the things that have happened, all the stupid things that we've done, all the things that we've said, all the excuses stored up in your brain, and you're just like, whew, I totally have a million good reasons that I shouldn't be the one sharing the gospel or a million good reasons why I'm, it's just, as, it's a bad idea. Maybe it feels me uncomfortable. Um, guys, we gotta know that that, that doesn't stand up to the test. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is what moves us. And the gospel is what changes everything. And so when we think about those things, though, I want to read out of Ephesians 2 um, and, and think about these passages. So when you take kind of that moment of like, gosh, I have all these reasons to not preach the gospel and then read this passage right here with me, okay? He also raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. And that also includes that no one can boast about you being saved, right? No one can be like, oh man, I talked to Billy and I told him the gospel and because of me, he believes in Jesus now. That includes that as well. And we need to keep that in mind because if you have a reason that you're not sharing the gospel, it's basically you also saying like, well, I need a reason so that I could boast that I could share the gospel well. And so who are we to say to let our sin stand in the way of us sharing the gospel? We, we can't. And so maybe there's things in your life. Yeah, I know I've got things in my life that I need to repent of. Guys, I know that there are times that I've fumbled on my words and articulating the gospel. Um, and, and maybe you're like me and you've gone so, so far as to be like, there are people who I literally told them you're going to hell or some other thing that just crushed their view of the gospel. But the church and its mission cannot be hindered by our mistakes. And here's the thing. My, my own life's filled with sin, betrayal, lying, lust. I, I, I've got a whole list. And, uh, and, and, and even times that I didn't stand up for the gospel when I should have or should, didn't say it or was too mild and bold. But check this out. I am not alone in that, guys. We've got to realize that we have 2,000 years of sinners who have come before us, who've been sharing the gospel and messing up just like we have. And guess what? We're here 2,000 years later and we're in church and we love the Lord and he has saved us. Guys, the church and the message of God, it is alive and well despite our mistakes and mishandlings and despite the mistakes and mishandlings of the 2,000 years before. So let that be a sign of God's power and glory, that it is not by our doing 
that the gospel was shared, but that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah, praise God. Praise God that we are saved by Jesus, his immeasurable kindness. Um, so if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, what's next? Guys, we can talk to our pastors, our friends who love the Lord about how to better share the gospel. Or maybe just, hey, here's what I've gone through. Um, we can go in our rooms, shut our door, pray on our knees, and, and just confess whatever we need to confess. Um, we can read our Bibles. We can pray um, and, and commit ourselves to that prayer that, that, and just ask that the Lord's words would come out and not our own. But most importantly, we can rejoice that just as we are saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, that when we share the gospel, it is not our strength that makes a difference, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not your perfect life that came and changed anyone's life. It is the perfect life of Christ, which was where he died on a cross and rose again in three days. It is by that power that the gospel being shared is powerful. And so we're going to end talking a little bit about the power of the Holy Spirit. I've said it a bunch, so I, I, maybe the slide's gone up and, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead there. But um, this is the last thing that we're going to see, that we see throughout the book of Acts. Um, we see it in the continuation of the spreading as we just uh, of the gospel over the last 2,000 years. We um, experience it when we open our, our hearts and our minds to the Bible and when we commit ourselves to prayer. Um, the power of the Holy Spirit moves forward the work of God here on earth, building the church and its mission. That's why Jesus said, going back to the, the last statement he made um, at the beginning of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Everything has taken place in building up the church and its mission up to this point in Acts is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everything that has continued to build the church since then is of that same result. Uh, a cool way to put it might be... Um, um, and I passed this note, but I want to go back to it, and I'm going to find it here, guys, because it's good. Maybe I don't have it. Um, the gospel is not unstoppable because we share the gospel. We share the gospel because it is unstoppable. Right, and I didn't write that. We'll, 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 we'll credit that to Anonymous, but when I read that, I was like, my gosh, like, yes. I preach the gospel. I get to share the gospel because it is unstoppable, not, not because of me. And so the miracle that is the church of Christ and its continuing mission, we, let's remember this. Let's, let's finish here. As we go, as we live our lives for Christ, sharing the gospel with our kids, with our neighbors, with our family and friends and strangers, if the gospel has come this far to reach you, may we trust that the plan of the Holy Spirit can and will continue through you. So let's, let's end in prayer here, guys, and then we'll have the worship team come back up, all right? God, we, we thank you that it is by your power, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit that your word moves, God, um, that we can rest in you as you do work through us, God, that as you say, I have chosen that those who love me will share the gospel that when that happens God that you also say I will take your yoke I will take your burdens it is by your strength Lord may we rejoice in that may we fall more in love each day with you with your church and with your mission and we pray these things in Christ's name amen